0: you <music> morning, good morning. How are we doing this fine, beautiful morning? A beautiful morning it is. Lots to talk about. This is the morning mix. I am Ali Shapiro. And, uh, you know, we said what we're going to try to do is devote maybe every other day to the executive action, the executive orders of the new administration or a cabinet member. So, this morning we're going to address the Keystone pi- Pipeline. That is the first thing on the agenda, the Keystone Pipeline. Remember, you see the intent of the administration from their first actions. That's when they want to send their message. The message that they want to send is what is the message? What is the message that they want to send? What is the message that the new administration wants to send? Well, they want to send a message that they want to kill eleven thousand jobs. That's what the Keystone Pipeline. That's what the Keystone Pipeline means: eleven thousand jobs to Americans. Is this a? Isn't this the the right climate to kill eleven thousand jobs? I think it's a great thing to do. But it's not just. It doesn't just affect America. Keystone Pipeline affects Canada. I know American doesn't necessarily care about Canada all that much, nor should it. But it's amazing how Canada has responded to this. We have a clip here of the ALA, the Alberta uh, uh, Premier, the Premier of Alberta, excuse me. The Premier is the Canadian governor. There are provinces, there are premiers. When there are states, there are governors. So this is, a, this is a, an interview on Fox with, with, um, with Martha McCallum, I think her name is. If I'm not mistaken and uh, his name is Jason Kenny I'm gonna play a little bit of this of this interview
1: joining me now exclusively Alberta premier Jason Kenny premier Kenny thank you very much good to have you here today great to be here. So you have uh, had some pretty strong language on this. We understand that Prime Minister Trudeau will be speaking in the first phone call as president that uh, Joe Biden will have with a foreign leader this afternoon. Um, how do? You, what's the impact on the relationship between our two countries over this? Well, first, we congratulate uh, President uh, Biden on his inauguration and election and hope to have a really close and strong relationship. We have the biggest bilateral trade relationship in world history between Canada and the United States. But the biggest part of that trade is Canadian energy exports, largely from uh, our province here of Alberta. We have the third largest oil reserves in the world. We ship about nearly $100 billion worth of energy to the U.S. every year. Keystone XL would have been a significant, uh, safe, Modern uh, increase in that shipment, Um, and it is uh, very—it's very frustrating that one of the first acts of the new president was. I think to disrespect America's closest friend and ally, Canada, um, and uh, to kill uh, good-paying union jobs on both sides of the border, and ultimately to make the United States more dependent on foreign oil imports from OPEC dictatorships. We don't understand it, then at the very least, we believe that uh, those who have invested in this project, trusting in the regulatory process in the U.S., should be compensated by the U.S. administration. Yeah, well, you make a lot of great points there. I want to unpack uh, some of those with you, if I may.
0: Uh Uh, Okay, that's enough. There you go. So notice how he said that one of the key downsides of this is that America becomes more energy dependent. Currently, America is energy independent. They are actually an exporter. And yet, the more that America... The less America is able to produce of its own and the more America is relying on foreign governments for their – and I don't include Canada per se but but foreign governments in the Middle East and foreign governments in other places, then the more A, the people suffer, gas prices will go from in some places as low as you know, 150 know 180 to $2 a gallon, $250 a gallon. It's gonna to go to four to, to, to three fifty, four fifty a gallon. Who pays for that? Who pays for that? The people, these elites, they don't understand what rising gas prices does to the average individual. In Israel, our gas prices, I believe, are taxed at 70, 74, seventy nine percent. Something tells me not seventy nine percent. No no, I'm drawing a blank. Something tells me it's seventy nine percent in Israel is that we're paying at the pump is actually going to the government. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Now, Israel is an energy independent. But if you are energy independent, if you are energy independent like America was during the last administration, why would you want to trade that? Why would you want to trade that? So the Keystone Pipeline, we're going to, we're going to read an article from, the, from Forbes. What, what is it? Forbes is not a right-wing uh, publication. Biden's Keystone XL decision signals new normal for U.S. pipelines. In a statement reminiscent of Barack Obama's famous admonition, that West Virginia coal miners losing their jobs should learn to code. Remember that line? That they should learn to code. You can't get, can't, whereas the president, you know, Hillary campaigned on taking away jobs in the coal industry, and the president came and said, oh, coal, beautiful black coal. The president cared about the people's jobs. Now, they should just learn to code. Just, just, they should, they have to adapt. That's the message. Adapt. You no longer need it in this industry. Find another industry. It's just just that simple. Transportation Secretary nominee Pete Buttigieg stated during his confirmation hearing this week that union workers who have been or expected to be employed on the Keystone XL pipeline should simply get other jobs, saying we are very eager to see those workers continue to be employed in good-paying union jobs, even if they might be different ones. Of course, not if you work for Amazon, and then they don't want you to unionize. Thus, does the future cabinet member reflect the Biden-Harris administration's indifferent attitude towards the domestic oil and gas industry in general, and this key $8 billion energy infrastructure project specifically. News of the cancellation of this cross-border permit was by and large treated as sort of a business-as-usual matter. But it is in fact an extraordinary act of executive fiat that has few peacetime precedents in American history. The Keystone project represents an overall $8 billion investment by TC Energy, the company which owns and operates the Keystone pipeline system that moves large volumes of crude oil throughout the middle section of the United States and southern Canada. Several hundred miles of the planned 1,200-mile Keystone expansion have already been constructed. Several hundred miles. And have and are in and placed into the ground, including, ironically, the section of the line that crosses the US Canadian border. Upwards of three billion of that overall eight billion dollar investment have already been committed and now represents a sunk cost at the behest of a new president, a significant precedent for any administration set. There are those who are coming to the who are claiming that the president president being Trump uh that's who we refer to is the president. There is only one president, currently. The president set it up like this, and, uh, and he could have he could have put it through as a, um, a binding. This wasn't binding. This was just an, he set it up as an executive order, and so because of that, it was easy to just uh, cancel. I don't know. I wonder if maybe the president did that for a reason. He knew that they were going to try to do this, and uh, and now they should suffer. They should suffer for trying to, you know, virtue signal. Ultimately, ultimately, what is the purpose here? Remember, that's the question. What is the purpose? Why are they doing this? Why was this the first agenda? And is there going to be backlash? President Biden's decision also put thousands of union jobs at risk, representing two point two billion dollars in lost wages. Keystone XL already employs about two thousand workers, including members of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the United. Association of Journeymen and Apprentices, the Teamsters and other major unions, all told the plan for full construction of Keystone XL would employ as many as 10,000 union workers through its completion. Barring a successful challenge to Biden's order, all of those jobs are gone. Noted Buttigieg and his advice that the workers simply seek other employment, especially in this climate, especially right now, seeking other employment is just so easy. Gone also will be the $1.7 billion TC Energy plans to invest in real, actual, new, clean energy capacity between now and 2030 to provide all of the power the Keystone XL would consume, along with the thousands of direct jobs that investment would produce. According to a fact sheet from TC Energy, which sponsored the project, indigenous communities along the pipeline's corridor will also be hit hard. Indigenous communities lose hundreds of millions of dollars, including more than $1 billion in integrational intergenerational opportunities for for equity ownership in KXL that will help them fight poverty and build schools, hospitals, and other essential services. I'm going to skip a little bit. Among those who are no doubt pleased with Biden's decision to cancel a pipeline that would bring Hundreds of thousands of barrels of heavy Canadian crude in the United States to be refined would be nations in the Middle East, along with Venezuela and Mexico, whose own heavy oil production will be purchased by U.S. refiners to fill the void. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, however, was not pleased at all. Oh, not pleased at all. So frustrating, as the Canadian Premier said there of, of Alberta. So frustrating. in I don't know if anybody appreciated his Canadian accent. I definitely uh, I did. <clears throat> Uh, pretty boy Trudeau, however, was not pleased at all, raising the matter in a call he conducted with President Biden on Friday. The White House statement: oh, I'm sure that call was was uh, was a one way conversation. Trudeau's disappointment regarding the decision, and Biden he calls that Biden acknowledged Trudeau's disappointment regarding the decision to rescind the permit for the Keystone Pipeline and reaffirmed his commitment to maintain an active bilateral dialogue and to further deepen. Cooperation with Canada. That plus two dollars and fifteen cents will get PM Trudeau a cup of coffee at Starbucks. If Mr. Shah's vision for the project is for the future is correct, is indeed a troubling one for the pipeline business. Certainty and consistency in the legal and regulatory arenas has been among the key factors that have made the United States such a comparatively attractive province to attract major energy investments. Biden's fiat decision to simply strand billions of dollars of already deployed investment in Keystone XL erodes that certainty. Green energy advocates advocates who are celebrating this decision related to Keystone XL would be well advised to consider that the precedent it sets could easily be applied to major solar and wind investments by future presidents. That's an interesting uh that's an interesting last last uh comment there. What they're saying is is that just because you're happy about this doesn't mean it can't be done to you as well. It could be done to you, as, uh, at the whim of the next administration, just like it could be done to you, just like it was done to this administration, just, just like it was done by this administration. It reminds me there was a there's a recent uh, uh, lawsuit. Parler saw, uh, sought to sue. They sued Amazon because Amazon um, Parler is the uh, is the competition to one of the competitions to Twitter. And Parler was ousted from Amazon's platform of of um, cloud. The the cloud they were they were they were using the cloud of of Amazon, the storage of Amazon for their for their app. And Amazon, in the frenzy to oust conservatives, decided to, that Parler had breached its terms, and without giving it thirty days, like it had that it, that it like it had always like 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 it was contractually obligated, it decided no, you're out. So, Parler sued, and Amazon countered the suit. on the last couple of weeks, and then Amazon in uh, made made some sort of argument of how they didn't um, they didn't remove the content fast enough. That was our Amazon's argument. They didn't move the content remove the content fast enough. And the judge, the judge of that suit, who is a Carter appointee. Okay, so for all those who aren't don't recall. Jimmy Carter was president from 76 to 80. Now he he is still alive, but imagine how old his imagine how old his appointees are. Imagine how about this one. Imagine how um technologically inept those appointees are. And this is the woman grew up in New York. Nice. A nice uh what's her name? Bronstein? Forgetting her name all of a sudden yeah she she she's the one who's deciding she i'm sure she understands this argument so well in the end she ended up using an argument in favor of amazon that amazon didn't even cite because they didn't have the guts and ultimately this judge said that you can you can uh, um you can expel anybody you can suspend you can terminate anybody i think amazon i think if i'm not mistaken amazon's argument was that even though we didn't have the rights to, sus- to, to, to suspend permanently, but since we had the rights to suspend temporarily, so that's what we've done. I think that was the argument. In any case, there are, the, the judge made an argument on behalf of Amazon that basically said, Amazon, you don't have to give anybody any excuse. You're allowed to boot anybody from your, from your, from your platform at any point. Well, what kind of message does that send to Amazon's customers that Amazon now has carte blanche to just boot anybody? We're living in it. it's, it's, it's a it's a that that sort of attitude is very dangerous. That sort of idea and an attitude, not idea, it's a reality. They are able. Amazon, at any whim, could just decide that X Y Z company is no longer allowed to use their platform, and now they're gone, and they're o- overnight. Well, wouldn't if you are now using AWS, if you are now using Amazon's cloud services, would you not try to find a a different uh um, a different place to host would you not try to find a different place to host would you want to take the risk that amazon at any whim could just decide to to um could to just decide to eject you to, to to expel you to to permanently suspend you um it's a it's, that's that that's that's the message that that we just read as well the idea that yeah it's great it's great that you don't um that you don't want that you're happy that The the Keystone XL pipeline was just was just uh, stopped, but but what does that mean for your projects? We can't just have you know it's not it's not a good thing for us to live where the where the, the the new administration just you know upends the the previous administration this way. But this this issue actually has already resulted in a lot of backlash because I believe it's in New Mexico that it's in New Mexico. That um, the unions, I think it's New Mexico. The unions are already uh, showing their outrage now. I mean, we can only have we can only have so many um, we can only have so many so much sympathy for them if they voted if they voted um, for this for this administration. Then uh, I don't know how much sympathy I have that they've lost their jobs. I mean, and I think it's a sad thing you know what's happening obviously but i don't know how much sympathy i have that they lost their jobs if these union if these unions voted for him so this is a like, you know we're going to be obviously watching this story um ah. we're going to be watching this story and we're going to be uh we're going to be de- you know it's going to obviously going to be developing and we're going to see where it, where it plays out and please god it won't ultimately it ultimately won't um result in the in 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 the termination of the keystone pipeline because that would be Devastating for everyone who's already made their investments, and uh, and all the jobs. But it's uh, definitely possible. U.S. District Judge Barbara Rothstein. Okay, Barbara Rothstein. That was the, that was her name. Moving on. Um, moving on. There are uh, there's another another <clears throat> another story. Another story here. HR one. This is a very serious one. What is HR one? HR one is a new bill that has been suggested that has been that, is, that, that has been brought to the floor in the in in the House, in Congress. HR one. Democrats have introduced a bill which aims to permanently cement election fraud as a cornerstone of our voting system. Are you surprised? Nope. Neither am I. We just had four great years articles coming from, what is it called? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't remember what it's called. It's on the right. This, uh, our, this newspaper, uh, this, this, this site you'll see, you'll obviously detect that though from the. From the uh, article, we just had four great years of one of the best presidents in United States history. The thing about four-year transitions is that people remember the previous four years pretty clearly. The new administration will be in heavy contrast to the last. In other words, the corruption is on display for everyone to see. These Democrats stole an election, had a fake inauguration with no one present, sold out the country to China, and now want to cement their election fraud tactics in all in all in the span of two months. HR1, also known as the For the People Act 2021, is one of the most corrupt things ever introduced into American law. The whole point of the bill, to destroy the integrity of American elections forever. Take a look. I'm going to tell you something unique about the American election. It doesn't, it's not decided on a federal level. The American election, as we've, as we've, as we've discussed, is decided on a state by state level. What the federal, what this bill wants to do is it wants to make it federal. Fresh off the biggest illegitimate banana republic fraud in the history of Western elections, Democrats now seek to ensure that all future elections in perpetuity are defined by more fraud than ever before. Many people refuse to believe the 2020 election was stolen. They voted against President Trump because they don't like his language choices or his unpolished demeanor. To those people, please take a moment to gain some perspective. What is worse, a man who speaks about people and politics in a way you do not like, or a cabal of politicians who speak calmly with forked tongues to create massive bills that seek to destroy any kind of political dissent in the entire constitutional election process? Democrats have introduced a bill, H.R. 1, for the People Act of 2021, with at least 15 constitution-busting revolutionary provisions to turn America and its entire election process... Into nothing more than a veneer for ballot stuffing, fraud, fraud, digitization, and big government globalism. The Biden bill is sure to put Hugo Chavez, Chavez, and every third world despot and communist to shame. Democrats introduced their first bill in the House. This is the first bill. That's why we're covering it. Remember, we would cover it even if it wasn't the first bill. But this is the first bill. This is the. They have now a a Senate in their control. Let's say, and they have now a. And they have the have House and they have the presidency. This is the first bill. The bill that will destroy America. Nationwide mail-in voting. Nationwide. Not just because of COVID. Not just in California. Nationwide. Banning restrictions on ballot harvesting. Banning voter ID. Criminal voters. DC statehood road, road work. It's all in here. Okay? Number one. Internet-only registration with electronic signature submission. Internet only registration. You know, right now there is a recall of Governor Newsom, one of the worst governors in America. And that's a, he's in a running, and he's in a running battle with, uh, with murderer Cuomo. Murder, uh, uh Newsom, it, it, it's required 1.5 million signatures in order, to, in order to issue a recall. They're going they want to recall him and, 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 and oust him as, as, as governor. They're at 1.3 million. But that's not what's, what's amazing what's amazing is that that despite the fact we don't make this up despite the fact that that california has the loosest laws in the country in the union as far as ballot harvesting as far as in person voting as far as same day registration as far as all sorts of provisions uh, uh voter id all sorts of provisions that uh, that 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 make it easier to vote when it comes to this, this, this recall, they've made it very difficult. They will only accept you showing up in person. You have to have proper ID. You have to sign in person at whichever locations that they allow you to sign. They make it very difficult. And even this, and despite that, despite that, there are over 1.3 million, million, um, there are over 1.3 there are over 1.3 million um, people who have already voted. 1.3 million people who have already voted. That is a that is a, a, a remarkable achievement, and and it ends in the the deadline is March. So there's still over a month left. There's still over a month left. Um, there's still over a month left. So please, God, that will achieve. They will achieve that. But just realize that you know as we said and we're going to continue to, to, to play this one Bezos has a problem he owns he owns washington post he's talking about buying cnn he if you use if you use any language anti against mail in voting you're a conspiracy theorist who should be locked up and thrown they throw away the key but he doesn't allow mail in balloting mail in voting for his for the unionization vote can't say that enough we're going to repeat that again and again because it's not, it's not even hypocrisy. It's not, it's not even hypocrisy. It's, okay, number one, internet-only registration with electronic signature submission requiring availability of internet for online registration. Each state acting through the chief state elections official shall ensure that the following services are available to the public at any time on the official public websites of the appropriate state and local election officials in the state in the same manner and subject to the same terms and conditions as the services provided by voter registration agencies under Section Seven A, so online application for voter registration, banning the requirement to provide a full SSN for voter registration, prohibiting state from requiring applicants to provide more than the last four digits of their social security number. They're banning all these provisions. Form included with application for voter vehicle for voter for voter for motor vehicle driver's license, Section Five of the National. Voter Registration Act of 1993 is amended by striking the semicolon at the end and inserting the following: and to the extent that the application requires the applicant to provide a social security number, may not require the applicant to provide more than the last four digits of such number. Okay, nationwide motor voter registration. Now that motor voter registration is now thousands is how thousands of illegal illegals became registered illegal, became registered voters in California and Nevada. The term automatic registration means a system that registers an individual to vote in elections for federal office in a state if eligible by electronically transferring the information necessary for registration from government agencies to election off- officials of that of the state so that unless the individual affirmatively declines to be registered, the individual will be registered to vote in such elections. Okay, <laughs> This is what they want to do the entire country. So now you understand why the founders did not allow voters, did not want the, the 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 Washington to control the votes. No, each state, each state does it. You elect people. That's your choice. Like this is obviously this is going to come to. there are going to be lawsuits about this. And you know, please God, it won't just be so easy. It won't just be so easy. This is the next story. We'll, we'll tie it all in. Um, there, I'm sure you've heard this term, the uh, nuclear option and filibuster. Well, this is one of the big debates right now: is whether or not they're going to uh, nuke the filibuster. Currently, in order to pass any legislation, you need 60 votes. 60 votes in the in the in the Senate. You need 60 votes. That's it's called you know that you, not just a simple majority; you need a strong a supermajority. And right now right now uh, there are 50 50 senators and 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 Kamala Harris who is who is the official officially she's called the VP so she although to be honest we don't have a VP because because Pence won't be the VP anyways that we know even even when the president becomes president again Pence I don't I don't think the president's going to take Pence so I don't know if it's so important but, but whatever the point is is that is that um, Harris uh, presides over the Senate so she, she, um, she gets to vote. She gets to vote when there's a tie-breaking vote, which is great. Also, because she has to be there in person to vote. She, it's not enough for them to just know what her politics are, and therefore she has no. She has to be there to cast the vote in person. So it's not so simple that they get to do this. But meaning, and it's not. It's not as though everything they want to do they can just do. They you know, they need to make sure that she's there. The point is, is that's coming out of Breitbart. Bright, Senate majority leader Mitch McConnell announced Monday that a power-sharing agreement in the Senate no longer needs to stipulate that the filibuster rule remain intact after two Senate Democrats confirmed they would not support abolishing it. So, that means that in order to in order to abolish the filibuster, in order to in order to abolish the filibuster, you need to you need to have 50 votes. So they did this for for justices that's why the president was able it was Harry Reid Harry Reid did this for the justices that's why, um, the to, that's why the president was able to that's uh, the president was able to nominate and pass through legislation so through the Senate so many different so many different um, uh, justices because you only need you only need uh, 50 a simple majority 51 you only need 51 um, you only need 51 that wasn't always like that. It used to be that you needed sixty. It used to be that you needed sixty. So, um, they wanted to do the same thing. They wanted to do the same thing when it came to when it came to um, the any legislation. They wanted to be able to pack the court. I'm sure you you know these different terms. They wanted to be able to pack the court. They wanted to be able to with, with pack the court. They wanted to be able to add different states. They want to, pack the court means, as we said, pack the court means to add additional justices. They don't like the fact that the, currently the Supreme Court makeup is officially is 6-3. That's, you know, so they don't like that. What, what is, what is, uh, Breyer waiting for? You would have thought that he'd already have retired, no? What's he waiting for? Um so they, they don't, they don't, they don't like, they don't like the fact that, uh, that they have, that they have to, they have to answer that they 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 have that they that they can't just do what they want. They don't like the fact that they have you know to, to contend with the conservatives. So they want to pack the court by adding more liberal justices. That's the idea. They want to add more liberal justices, and um, and um, what can you, well, we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. But obviously, the fact that there are that there are two uh, Democratic senators that are already saying that they're not going to support such a such a position, that's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. The filibuster, a rule that requires three-fifths of the Senate or or 60 votes to close debate on major legislation, had become a point of contention as McConnell and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer work out a plan to organize the upper chamber, which is tied 50-50. The last time the Senate was tied was in in 2011, and a a similar plan was used to distribute authority among the chamber and its committees. McConnell explained that because two Senate Democrats publicly opposed abolishing the filibuster – which ultimately vanquishes any Democratic hopes Democrat hopes of doing away with the rule. And because Joe Biden continues to also oppose getting rid of it, the two leaders could continue developing their agreement. The legislative filibuster was a key part of the foundation beneath the Senate's last 50-50 power-sharing agreement, McConnell said. With these assurances, I look forward to moving ahead with a power-sharing agreement modeled on that precedent. On Monday, Senators Kristen Cinema of Arizona and Joe Manchin of West Virginia both signaled they would not support abolishing the filibuster. Kirsten Cinema is against eliminating the filibuster, and she is not open to changing her mind about eliminating the filibuster. A spokesperson for Cinema told the Washington Post and she's from Arizona. Arizona went for the president despite the uh, Fox News calls. Manchin told reporters Monday on Capitol Hill that he does not support going nuclear. That it that it. That is ending the filibuster rule, according to The Hill. I do not support doing away with the filibuster under any condition. It's not who I am, Manchin said. Some of the Democrat parties, more progressive, wing, have called for changing the filibuster rule, arguing it slows their ability to accomplish their priorities, given the feature allows the minority party to stall legislation indefinitely. Senator Elizabeth Warren has said, see what happens is, is the filibuster allows whoever's opposing it to get up on the on the Senate floor and, and just speak endlessly. That's the point. Elizabeth Warren from um, from the the could be great state of of Massachusetts has said the filibuster is a rule that has been used to block progress on racial justice while former President Barack Hussein Obama once called it a dream, a Jim Crow relic, a Jim Crow relic. That's right. Everything comes back down to racism. More moderate Democrats like Cinema and Manchin have sought to protect the tool for the minority party. Senator John Tester of of, uh, another moderate has noted that the country benefits from the forced bipartisanship on key bills. Schumer, in his new leadership role, has been adamant that Democrats have the final say in how a Senate power sharing agreement should proceed. Which includes keeping the nuclear option on the table. We are glad Senator McConnell threw in the towel and gave up on his ridiculous demand. Schumer's spokesman Justin Goodman said, per Politico, "We look forward to organizing Senate under Democrat control and starting get start getting big, bold things done for the American people." So those are some major things that are developing. Those are some major things that are developing right now, and, and we're and we are going to be reporting on them. So it is it is a breath of fresh air we can breathe that. We can breathe that the filibuster looks like it's going to remain as a status quo. There is going to be a, they are not going to nuke the filibuster. We can breathe a sigh of relief that, uh, that will halt, that will halt the agenda of the progressives. But just remember, 48 of them are willing to go forward with it. 48. If there are two, that means 48 are willing. That's a very dangerous thought. That's a very dangerous thought. The radicalism the radicalism that we see on the opposing side is is, is so intense. It's so intense. You, you you can't even you can't even operate with them. You can't you can't even work with them. It's a very it's a very scary thought. So the president has endorsed his first candidate since leaving office. President released a statement, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a warrior who will always fight for the people of Arkansas and do what is right, not what is politically correct. Sarah is strong on borders, tough on crime, and fully supports the Second Amendment and our great law enforcement officers. Trump wrote in a statement, she loves our military and veterans and her state of Arkansas Sarah will be a great governor and she has my complete and total endorsement. So, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has announced that she is going to be running for the governor of Arkansas. Many people had predicted this. Her father was the governor of Arkansas and her father was actually he was a um, he is a uh, former pastor. He is a uh, he is a Very, uh, a deep, a deep, uh, strongly religious man. He was not loved, beloved by the establishment of the Republican Party, happens to be. But Sarah Huckabee Sanders released the following video. I'm just going to play the beginning of it. It's a very powerful, very powerful story that she tells over.
2: In the pitch black of night, with no lights on the plane or runway. Air Force One touched down in war-torn Iraq. Nearby, hundreds of troops had gathered at a remote military base in the desert to celebrate Christmas. They expected to be joined by senior military leadership, but instead got their commander-in-chief. The room erupted. A young soldier yelled from the back of the room, Mr. President, I re-enlisted in the Army because of you. And the president replied, And son, I'm here because of you. That soldier then came over to me and said, thank you, Sarah. I love the way you handle yourself. Hugh, you. I have a tough job. I politely corrected him and told him thanks, but I take questions. You take bombs and bullets. That's a tough job. The soldier silently reached up and tore the brave rifle's patch from his arm and handed it to me and said, we're in this together. Overwhelmed with emotion and speechless, I just hugged him. With tears in my eyes and a grateful heart for our heroes who keep us free. America is great because we are free. But today, our freedom and the rule of law are under attack.
0: That is an understatement. That is an understatement. That is a powerful story. It's a very powerful story. It sends chills. It sends chills. That's a very powerful story. However, Mike Lindell, while he hasn't announced that he's running yet, Mike Lindell is also apparently talking about running for the governor of Minnesota. So, you know, please God, this is just the beginning. Just remember, that's the point. This is just the beginning. Just the beginning. I know, you know, we we, we sometimes we get a little excited about something, and then uh, and then the 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 left has their way, but. The point is, is the the movement is very much alive. The movement is very much alive, and people are not giving up. Mike Lindell yesterday was uh, kicked off of Twitter. Kicked off of Twitter, so they definitely think of him as somewhat of a threat because they don't just kick off everybody. They only kick off they only kick off people that are that they're threatened by. And Mike Lindell, Mike Lindell has you know very strong, very strong support. He's he's been very outspoken in, in his support, and uh, and he he's financially comfortable. Although they've tried, they know, they've, they're definitely trying to to, rid of the, to to stop him. There's you know, they uh, different different brands. I think he said Coles and Bed Bath and Beyond. They have stopped carrying his pillow. He has the he's you know he he was the one who created my pillow. And uh, and but they definitely they, they they feel threatened by Mike by by Mike Lindell they feel threatened, and so they're going to do whatever they can in order to stop him, but all it takes are a few strong patriots, a few strong patriots. Um, there's a there's a report that, I'm trying to find it, but there's a report that Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz wants is attempting to to uh, bring forth a bill once again, he's done this a number of times that will limit that will limit uh, terms. He wants to limit terms. Imagine what that could do to politics. Imagine what that could do to politics if terms were limited. People wouldn't be beholden to anybody but their but their voter. Ultimately, that's the idea. You wouldn't have to worry about getting money from different organizations in order to run again. You wouldn't have to worry about getting money from corporations. You wouldn't have to worry about any of that. All you'd have to do is go to do what you what you campaigned on. Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, along with other Republican senators, have introduced has introduced an amendment to the U.S. Constitution that would impose term limits. That's a direct, That's right. It would require an amendment on members of Congress. Every year, Congress spends billions of dollars on giveaways for the well-connected Washington insiders get for the well connected Washington insiders get ta- get taxpayer money and members of congress get reelected all while the system fails for the american people it's no wonder that the vast majority of americans from every political stripe republicans democrats and independents overwhelmingly support congressional term limits said ted- said, ted- said, ted- said senator ted cruz the amendment would limit us senators to two 6-year terms and members of the house to three 2-year terms okay so you get to run twice as a senator and you get to run three times as a congressman, congressperson, as they say. The rise of political careerism in today's Congress is a sharp departure from what the founders intended for our federal governing bodies. I have long called for this resolution, for this solution, for the brokenness of Washington, D.C., and I will continue fighting to hold career politicians accountable. As I have done in the past, I urge my colleagues to submit this constitutional amendment to the states for speedy ratification. Senator Cruz was joined by Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, Pat Toomey, the Rhino from from Pennsylvania, Marco Rubio, Todd Young, Rick Scott. Will it get anywhere? No. Probably not. And that's because that's because people who have power don't want to re- Release it. Don't want to relinquish it. Imagine what Israel would look like. Imagine what Israel would look like if it didn't have careerist politicians. The argument, is, you know, the argument that many people who are anti-Bibi like to make is that he's been here too long. Bibi's gaining in the polls again. Bibi's gaining in the polls. Thirty-two seats, according to the recent poll I read. So, people still feel that he's the one to to. Take us out of this crisis. But the fact is... The fact is... He's been in politics for decades. Other members of the K- of the Knesset have been in politics for decades. I'm not saying it's better in America or worse, but the fact is, is, where is this conversation? Why isn't this a national conversation in Israel too? Why should people be allowed to stay in power for forever? Isn't there an argument to be made? That people that the politicians should be limited. Obviously in Israel, it's it's a different system. It doesn't have the same, obviously it's not the same system. You know, we we don't have defined elections here. It's a parliamentary system, like in Canada, like in England. It's not every four years, November, the the third, the the first, I think it's the first, I think the way the, the election, the constitution is worded, it's the first Tuesday after Monday in November. It means that if November was, Tuesday was the first, it wouldn't become election day. November, it's the first Tuesday after, and it's Tuesday, for all those who will comment on my Canadianisms. Tuesday. You can even say Tuesday, but we're not going to go there. Uh, it is the first Tuesday of every, Nov- of, of, of November following Monday. Now you'd say, oh, Tuesday must follow Monday, but no, it doesn't mean it's going to be in November. So that is, uh, that is the system, and then the 20th of January, I believe, that's the constitutionally, that's when the, that is when the new president is, is sworn in, is inaugurated. In a, in a parliamentary system, it doesn't work that way. But regardless, you should be limited, you know, so maybe you should be limited to, to, to six years as uh, whatever it is, however it was. I don't know. You have to, you'd have to work out the system in a parliamentary system. There, there, there would definitely be a conversation to be had. You couldn't run again if you already served six years, but you could, let's say, serve out your term. Or maybe eight years, you know. The point is, is that how come there's no national conversation? That's the point. That's the question. How come there's no conversation about this? It's a big problem. It's a big problem. Um, there should be there should the, the, we should have we should have a a national conversation about this. We should have a, a conversation about how to limit the power of of our of our elected officials. To make sure that they're answering to us, make sure that they're answering to us. Why is that controversial? On on all sides, they should be answering to us. You know, I have to share this one. There is a um, there is a, a new a new uh, uh, an article on Daily Wire. Double up. <laughs> Double up. Dr. Fauci again changes masks. We shouldn't just talk about politicians having term limits. Members of the administrative state, bureaucrats, should also have limits. Fauci's been in, in power. Fauci's been in power since 82. He's been through Reagan. He almost was in, was in the Carter administration. He'd been through Reagan, Clinton, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, now Biden. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who, in, who, early, who early in the pandemic said Americans need not wear masks, has once again changed his recommendation. Fauci, an immunologist and director of the National Institute of Health, Infectious Diseases, who served on President Trump's White House Coronavirus Task Force and is now President Biden's chief medical advisor on COVID-19, now says wearing two masks is likely more effective than wearing one. Really? Um, And wearing three is more effective than wearing two? Surely. And four would be more effective than wearing three. Why stop there? If you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on it. This just makes common sense that it likely would be more effective, Fauci told NBC News on Monday. Back in March, Fauci said there's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of – I should have this clip ready. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a bit better. And it might even block a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think it is, the doctor said on CBS News. But the response to the virus has been evolving since then. Soon after, Fauci made his comments. Experts, including the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, said Americans should wear masks, citing estimates that 40% or more of those infected were asymptomatic but could still spread the virus. We were not aware that 40 to 45% of people were asymptomatic, nor were we aware that a substantial proportion of people who get infected get infected from people without symptoms. That makes it overwhelmingly important for everyone to wear a mask, Fauci said in September, noting that the data now are very, very clear. It's amazing. It's amazing. We've been able to learn something. It's amazing. Fauci is able to learn something about something that he's been studying for over for over 40 years. This has been his expertise. Coronavirus has been part of his expertise for over 40 years. amazing. He was so confident. It's amazing that he was so confident back in March, in the midst of this outbreak, he was so confident that there's no asymptomatic spread and he was so confident that you wouldn't even have this many amount of this amount of people that were asymptomatic it's amazing what he's been able to learn eh now there's a move on to urge people to wear two masks i think they should i think the first one whatever the, the <laughs> i see this actually sometimes i've seen this i picked up a guy from the airport he was wearing two masks uh, one uh, one was an n95 I think and the other one was one of those face shields those uh, plastic shields God help us the New York Times said earlier is an I was an Ivy League graduate came to to Israel for a brief to learn so it was he was not religious came to Israel to learn very beautiful wonderful thing and, um, yeah, yeah, he, uh, he was wearing two masks. Football coaches do it. President-elects do it. Even science-savvy senators do it. Science-savvy. As cases of the coronavirus can to surge on a global scale, some of the nation's most prominent people have begun to double up on masks. A move that researchers say is increasingly being backed up by the data, according to the New York Times. The Times cites Lindsay Marr, an expert in virus transmission at Virginia Tech, who said if you combine multiple layers, you start achieving pretty high efficiencies of blocking viruses from exiting and even entering the nose or mouth. Of course, as a drawback, we run the risk of making it too hard to breathe. So what? What's the big deal? What's the problem with that? I mean, you know, it's amazing we need somebody who's an expert of virus transmission to say that that there could be a drawback to making it too hard to breathe. Hey, but the less you breathe, the less you breathe the virus. So isn't that a good thing? I think it's a great thing. Okay, so a few people die in order to save the masses. The fewer people that are breathing, the, the less transmission of the virus. I don't know what the problem here is. CDC says COVID-19 spreads mainly from person to person through respiratory droplets. Respiratory droplets travel into the air when you cough, sneeze, talk, shout, or sing. These droplets can then land in the mouths or noses of people who are near you or they may breathe these droplets. And the federal agency now says that a cloth mask also offers some protection to you too. How well it protects you from breathing in the virus likely depends on the fabrics used and how your mask is made. E.g. type of fabric, number of layers of fabric, how well the mask fits, etc. CDC is currently studying these factors and says more evaluation is needed. So there you have it. Two masks are better than one. So, I think we should double up. Double up and triple up. Okay, so maybe we'll have a hard time breathing. It's okay. That's okay. Nothing nothing bad can come of wearing masks. It's only good. Only, only good. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. We are going to end off today with a good piece of news. Remember yesterday, I was a little bit down. It yesterday, two days ago, I'd never done a good, a good piece of news. I think it was yesterday Kinneret continues to rise with another half a centimeter it's an amazing thing Lake Kinneret Sea of Galilee has been on the rise lately with recent storms throughout Israel and Tuesday was no exception with the water authority reporting an additional half a centimeter added onto the lake's water level the lake currently stands at 209.71 meters below sea level as a result which is again it's a great thing that's a great thing so we continue to pray. Yesterday, someone called me up. He wanted a driver. I'll share this last little, one little story here. He wanted a dr- uh, driver to the airport, and he, I gave him a price for a minivan. He said, is, "Is is that the only option?" I said, "Well, I can send you a car with a roof rack, but I've already daven mincha today. So you know, we, we, we do we do we do say ruach. We do request that Hashem send us rain." So if we take a roof rack, it could rain on your, on your suitcases. Either you have to stop saying Mashav today, or you have to, or you have to take a mini, or you have to suffer the rain on your luggage if it rains. He, so he, he reserved the minivan. Later on in the evening, towards evening, he canceled. Why? Because in Israel, you now have to have a COVID test before you get on a plane. And his COVID test came back positive. Now this person was going in, I believe, for a wedding. He's not going to be able to go in now. Because there will be no time. He was trying to go in before they close the airport. He's going to miss the air- wedding. I asked him to tell me, do you have any symptoms at all? And he said, no, no, nothing. I'm perfectly fine. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. He was very accepting. He was very willing. You know, okay, look, this is what happens. You know, it's not meant to be. God controls the world. Although so I'm not convinced. I'm not that God doesn't control the world, obviously. I didn't believe that. I'm not convinced that uh, that this is uh, the right thing to do. But if you accepted it, so you've accepted it. Good for you, good for you, I guess, for accepting it. But regardless, this is uh, he. He was no longer able to get on a plane because he, according to the test, according to the test, he has COVID nineteen. He has COVID nineteen coronavirus. That has been our show today. That has been our show today. I am your host. This is the Morning Mix. I am your host, Ellie Shapiro. And please God, we will be with you again tomorrow morning. Have a great day.